Hey Siri, play Social Geek Radio. Okay, Social Geek Radio podcast coming up. Hello geeks and welcome to Social Geek Radio. I'm Jack Munson, your host and social media conciliary. Today's guest is Josh Halpern of Big Chicken. And today's episode is brought to you by Consumer Fusion, 1UP Web, and Eularity. Looking for the ultimate all-in-one technology solution for your digital marketing efforts? Meet Eularity, the world's most powerful and trusted local and national marketing platform. Finally, everything all in one place from ad creation, media buying, reporting, and automatic optimization. Their technology was created with the franchise owner in mind, and their software and service was built from learning how Fortune 500 brands operate this marketing stack. Using machine learning and automation, Eularity's state-of-the-art technology simplifies the complex world of developing and executing digital marketing programs, all for a flat and transparent subscription. Their team believes in your brand's mission and has the passion and technology to amplify, automate, and optimize it, giving you access to powerful marketing performance in the palm of your hands. Join some of the world's best brands with Eularity. Head over to Eularity.com to request a demo and talk to their awesome franchising team or email sales at Eularity.com. Mention code JACK, J-A-C-K, that's me, and get 50% off of your first month subscription. Joining the show for the first time today is Josh Halpern. He's the CEO of Big Chicken. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So first of all, I just love the name, right? I mean, we, we are definitely in the chicken wars, and I love the name of the brand, Big Chicken. It says it all right there. I mean, it really does. You know, uh, we're, we're lucky that we were founded by the biggest chicken, seven foot one tall chicken, <laughs> right? Shaquille O'Neal, um, who has just been tremendous for our brand, um, you know, and, and really so much of our brand is built around stories that are authentic to Shaquille and, and his life and his lifelong love of fried chicken. Uh, but yeah, everything about us is big fun, big flavor, big food. We, we have a five ounce chicken patty where most of the other guys are between two and three ounces. Wow. It's a lot of fun to say the least. Yeah. So it is big. So, um, and, and before we get uh, further into the brand, um, let's find out a little bit more about you. What's your story? Well, I was born on a Tuesday, no, just <laughs> but not last Tuesday. Yeah, not last Tuesday. No, I, I spent the last 20 years actually in consumer products, right, on the supplier side of things. And um, it, it ended up spending a good chunk of my career at Anheuser-Busch InBev, uh, where I actually fell into the restaurant world quite by accident when Carlos Brito and the U.S. business unit asked me to take over the on-premise, which is anywhere where you would have a beer on the premise, bar, restaurant, nightclub, hotel, stadium, etc. And, um, you know, ended up leading... Anheuser-Busch to its first growth year periods in, in quite some time. And uh, once we got the business back to growth, they said, hey, now we want you to start building these branded experiential zones all over the United States. And if you ever go into a hotel or airport or uh, stadium and you see that Budweiser bar, that Bud Light bar, the origin of that was with my team back in 2014 and 2015. Mm. And at some point I got it in my mind, I wanted to put one on the Las Vegas Strip. And then the next thing you know, JRS Hospitality, the R of which is Perry Rogers, who's Shaquille O'Neal's agent, 
called and said, man, do we have the space for you? And Shaquille and Perry and Matt Silverman, who's one of the other partners of JRS, the S, came and visited me in St. Louis. And we built Beer Park by Budweiser together at the Paris Hotel. And that's how the entire partnership with this ownership group originated back in 2015. Excellent. And how are things going at the Beer Park? They're, they're amazing. I mean, I, I think Beer Park, outside of the Anheuser-Busch Brewery experience in St. Louis, is the number one dollar-ranked beer-led restaurant in the United States. It, it's doing north of $20 million a year as a wow. beer-led restaurant. Um, and we're seeing the numbers just crush 2018, 2019, you know, pre-pandemic numbers. It's not uncommon for us to have, you know, 1,500 covers on a Saturday or Sunday at the Beer Park. Nice. That's that's great. And then obviously there's a connection there with Shaq and and tell me about the the move to Big Chicken as well. Yeah, so Shaquille, he when he retired, he decided he wanted to be a restaurant franchisee, right? Because mm-hmm. franchising is so interesting. You're buying into somebody else's playbook, but it's a successful playbook. And I heard someone say at the Springboard conference, the number one key to franchising is building predictable unit level economics. And ever since I heard that, that really clicked and resonated with me and it resonates for Shaquille as well. So he spent a long time in uh, Five Guys in Krispy Kreme, Papa John's. And, um, you know, he's had such a deep, profound love of fried chicken since he was a, a little boy, right? Uh, hard to think of Shaquille as little. As a, right? as a little anything. Yeah, as a, <laughs> but, but, you know, since he was a little boy and, and so many of his family stories growing up with Sergeant Harrison and his mom, Lucille, are, are around, you know, the dinner table and around the love of chicken, barbecue chicken, fried chicken, whatnot. So as all these chicken concepts were coming to him, wanting him to become a franchisee, it, it just wasn't resonating for Shaquille becoming a franchisee um, when he has such a great story to tell, um, an authentic story tied to him a, a, about chicken. So that JRS Hospitality Group, like I mentioned, they do over $100 million in revenue on the Las Vegas Strip. One of the partners is a, is a world-class chef. Shaquille said, Let, let's see what we can do doing this thing together. And they created the first one in Las Vegas off the strip because otherwise, you know, no one would understand the, the economics of it, right? Right. Off right. the strip, they, they opened the first one and they built a reality TV show on Facebook Live around it because that's how every restaurant chain should start, right? Is on <laughs> reality TV. Heck yeah, and, why uh, not? Let's, let's use it, use it to our advantage. It's actually a really funny show. You can actually watch the episodes on our uh, on our website, or you can um, go into Facebook Live and, and Google Big, or I, I don't know if it's considered Google, but search Big Chicken Shack. It, it's really funny. Shaquille really got deeply involved with the creation of the first unit uh, with our chefs. Love that. So I'm guessing when whenever the announcement about Big Chicken and Shaquille was made, that had to be a couple of years ago, I'm guessing. How, how long ago did this really uh, originate? Yeah, we built the first unit in 2018. Okay. And we learned and tweaked uh, late 2018, you know, um, Q4 it launched. And then we took a year to really learn a lot about the, the restaurant itself. And then they opened the second one six weeks before COVID hit in 2020, right? In Glendale, yeah. California. And um, then we spent the entire pandemic as an organization really building our capabilities up. So we spend all of our time, you know, building training manuals and a franchisee CRM platform and and all of these things 
because you know any franchisee that partners with us, we're we're putting Shaquille O'Neal's reputation on the line a little bit, and his reputation yeah. was really darn good, right? Yeah. So yeah. we needed to build the capabilities like we were way bigger than we were prior to any FDD, prior to anything. We we need everyone coming to partner with us to say, man, you know, I, I decided to partner with Shaquille, and even though it was early in Big Chicken's journey, it was the best decision I ever made. These guys have their stuff together. Yeah. So we sacrificed quick growth in the name of building capability, but that's causing us to grow a lot faster now because of the foundation we built under us. Yeah. And, and you're really building the brand and, you know, kind of, kind of getting back to my first question, I'm wondering what the response was uh, in 2018 when, when this was all announced, because we were really just kind of entering the, you know, the height of the chicken wars, right? Um, I, I'm just imagining some of the other uh, chicken operators out there that were like, Shaquille O'Neal is doing what? Yeah, you know, like anything, I think a lot of people, the number one question I get asked is, you know, how often do you talk to him? You know, is he really involved? You know, is he just an endorsement? And he's he's not, He's he's very involved with us. There was probably some shock. I, you know, I, I wasn't involved back then. But ultimately, you know, as people hear our story, they realize, I think, that it was it was right, that this was something that, that needed to happen. But you mentioned the chicken wars. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't buy that term at all. Oh, um, tell me more about that. If, you know, like I said, I've been on the supplier side for many, many years. Right. So the last couple of years, it was the chicken sandwich wars, even though they say. Yeah, chicken yeah, wars. yeah. Prior to that, I mean, I was running the on premise at Anheuser-Busch back in 2013 to 2016. And it was all the chicken wing concepts and it was the chicken wing wars, right? And prior to that, it was, you know, more of the, the ethnic um, fast casual food. You know, like I remember at one point Panda Express orange chicken was like the number oh, sure. one chicken dish in the industry back in 2010, 2011, 2012. And buffalo chicken, I used to sell Frank's Red Hot for a living. Buffalo chicken was all the rage back in 2010, 2011, 2012. So this notion of a chicken war, war is a very general thing term. It, it makes for great headlines. Truthfully, Americans just love chicken. Most people just love chicken. And chicken continues to transform and, and people continue to try it in different ways. Buffalo chicken turned to Nashville hot chicken. Buffalo is still very important, right? But, but you get what I'm saying, right? Um, more Asian flavors came in on top of just teriyaki, right? So now there's sriracha and, and other things. Chicken has been here for 10, 20, 30 years, very much at the forefront of American culinary. It will be at the forefront of American culinary for the next 10, 20, 30 years. The only thing that changed was you had major, major QSR and fast casual chains say, we're making our big LTO bet and do an improved chicken sandwich. Yeah. And, and maybe it's, maybe it's more of an advertising war than, than an actual chicken war, because like you said, um, chicken has been a favorite in this country and many countries for decades. Um, yeah. So, so maybe this is more of a, of a marketing and advertising thing. Cause you know, th there's nothing that advertising guys like better than a little bit of drama. Right. Um, but let's, you, you let's said that, not me. I won't disagree <laughs> with you though. Back in a moment after this word from 1UP Web. When it comes to franchise marketing, 
OneUpWeb has more than a team that anticipates your needs and improves your metrics. They're an agency that's been successfully supporting franchises for more than 20 years. And I don't mean just those they're working with. The franchise marketing playbook they put out was fantastic. Their monthly franchise forward newsletter is a must read. And their website is filled with plenty of other great marketing information. Go to oneupweb.com slash socialgeek to learn more about them and snag some valuable information. You mentioned being on the supplier side of the restaurant industry for, for many years. And, and, and I think you've got some pretty good ideas on what's happening behind the scenes, especially with um, the, the supply chain and everything else that we read about every day. No doubt about it. I mean, at the end of the day, you had plants that were operating at subcapacity for months and months and months during the pandemic because no one knew what was happening. No one knew what their demand was going to look like. You had people also producing insane surpluses that all of a sudden it, it dried up and now there's this, this gluttony of product that needs to somehow be moved across different things. And you had the government putting a lot of money out there for folks. And as a result, the labor market right now is a little unstable as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you talk to a lot of people out there, people that aren't deep in the weeds every single day, you know, they're, they're looking at their branding and they're looking at their tech stack, right? Because that's what everyone says. You need a right brand and you need a, you need a great tech stack, right? Um, one of the biggest struggles that we're all seeing though right now is that supply chain is really becoming problematic if you don't have a multi-pronged attack on how to get your arms around it, right? Um, right now, even in terms of our growth strategy, we recognize that unless we're building pods of restaurants within the same broad line or territory, we run the risk of having not all proprietary items carried because the broadliners are looking at efficient assortment now more than ever, because they know that once the PPP money expires, you know, which from a lot of restaurants will be in Q1, some right. of these items won't be necessary anymore and they're going to get stuck with the price tag, right? A lot, a lot, they got stuck with a pretty good price tag at the beginning of the pandemic as well. So, you know, we're on daily conversations with our broadliners, daily conversations with our suppliers. You know, we were the furthest thing from two frat rows starting a chicken joint. Um, we already have relationships and are considered an emerging national account with almost every one of our suppliers. Um, we send copies of our development agreement to our top suppliers so they understand exactly where product needs to be. Not the full agreement, just the development schedule, right? Mm -hmm. um, because if you're not protecting kind of your backside and really building the foundation under you, you're going to end up with one heck of a house of cards, no matter how good your branding and tech stack is. That doesn't mean that branding and tech stack aren't incredibly important. They absolutely are. And the way the consumer dynamic is changing with more eat at home meals and, and more delivery and more drive through and some of these things, your branding and your tech stack becomes critically important. You can't lose sight though of, uh, of the supply chain side. It's your offensive tackle, right? No, no different than offensive tackle in a football team being one of the top paid you know, football positions on the team because of how important it is. Right. Supply chain needs to be viewed that way in the restaurant space now more than ever. If you don't have the product, if you don't have the inventory, if you don't, if you don't have the chicken, when, when someone walks in the door, all of that foot traffic on earth is not going to make the cash register ring. 
It, it's not. And if the minute you start having to make ingredient substitutions in the name of your supply chain, because yeah. you didn't forecast right, or you didn't have your supply really locked down, the minute you start giving an inconsistent experience to the consumer, to the guest, you're, you're in a world of trouble right there, right? Yeah. Because ultimately yeah. the reason why consumers come to chains is because of the consistency of experience, no matter where you go uh, in the United States or the world. And now we're starting a little bit with international expansion. It's the number one thing that we're talking to them about is the need for our MDE sandwich, which is our most basic sandwich, most dominant ever, because we focused on the chicken, not the stuff on it. Mm -hmm. um, it better taste the same wherever we are in the world because the consumer wants that consistency. And if yeah. we're changing ingredients around, it gets really, really hard to deliver that predictable experience. Sure, sure. Oh, I I never thought of it that way, but it's um, it's easy to make the whatever secret sauce the same in no matter what country you're shipping it to. But it's a it's a, a little trickier to make the uh, the actual chicken or you know whatever some other uh, uh, operator is selling to make that actually taste the same, not just the. Uh, the, the, the sauce in a packet or something like that. Yeah. You know, consistency in breading, it, it's yeah. the most important thing. I mean, KFC led with their breading in their advertising for years and years and years. Sure, right? Talking sure. about the general herbs and spices, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. There are certain ingredients that people may not think about on the foreground, that if you get those ingredients wrong, it could cause you a world of hurt on, in, on the back. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's why protecting supply chain and working hand in hand with suppliers is so critically important and why coming out of that universe for 20 years, I, I knew exactly how much trouble I was in as a supplier when I wasn't getting the right level of forecasting and the right level of visibility from my customers. Now that I am the customer, I, I try to pay it back and make sure that they have that right level of forecasting and visibility. Let's talk about forecasting a little bit. What do you see happening uh, we're, we're less than a month away from the year 2022. What do you see happening in the early part of the year as far as some of the same um, supplier issues and supply chain issues that restaurants have had uh, so far this year? I need to shake my magic eight ball for that one. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be a light switch. It's going to be a dimmer switch, right? Things are slowly going to start to get to normal as whatever this new normal is. And I don't like that term very much either. Yeah, me neither. But whenever this new normal sort of takes root, when people run out of their PPP money and say, all right, I may not think it worked the way I used to view it, but now I need to go do it again, right? Some of these other things, um, we're going to get better predictability, I think, as time goes on in 2022. But it's going to be a while. And things like the Omicron variant and, and other things, they, they just add that, that unpredictability that I think makes people concerned. I'm not, I'm not as worried about where is the world in February, March, April, May. It's more about staying in front of it and putting the right, um, the right strongholds in place to make sure that whatever variables come our way, we're at least a step ahead and can deal with them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what we've all learned and, and some people knew this and some just didn't, what we've all learned over the past couple of years is there will always be variables and, yeah. and, and people who are planning for 30, 60 days out from right now, uh, you've already lost. Um, you, you really need to be planning 2023 and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's not, how do we get through this 
this crisis because there's always going to be a crisis, whether it's supply chain or a virus or, you know, who knows what's going to hit us next. There will always be something that, um, that you need to have a, a talented group of people who can come up with solutions as quickly as possible. This um, is unprecedented. Yeah. For the last few years, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, you know, it, one of my favorite quotes in times like these, it's important to remember there have always been times like these. There, right? there sure have, right? Uh, you know, I, I think, I think getting back to the drama quotient, we, we all love living in that, oh, this is the, the craziest time ever. Well, I don't know about that. I, I think some people in some other centuries yeah. or even some other decades would have, uh, would, would, would beg to argue that. Um, tell me a little bit more about the franchising side of your business and, and what you see happening next year there. Are you, are you going for like sort of a good steady growth in the franchise area uh, and adding units and locations around the country? Or are you being a little bit more um, uh, aggressive and in, in, in looking for a huge growth or, you know, sort of where are you at on that scale? Yeah. So partnering with Shaquille, and it's one of my kind of jokes, but it's fact. I have a hundred problems. No one else has and a hundred things taking care for me that no one else gets. Right. <laughs> so, right. you know, our first unit was in Las Vegas. Our second unit is Los Angeles. So you're like, oh, Glendale, right? So you're like, oh, okay, they're going to start in the Southwest. Our third unit was on a Carnival cruise ship out of out of Florida. Right? Oh, wow. Everybody's third unit should be uh, floating along the South Atlantic, right? <laughs> yeah, on you a know, cruise ship somewhere. And we're not really sure where that ship is actually going to go every year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we're ranked number one of 40 in their internal Yelp-like system on the Carnival Mardi Gras. We're about to launch our second ship, you know, in two weeks here. Wow. Um, but then, you know, we launched in the Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, and then we launched in UBS Arena on Long Island, Right. Um, we built a national supply chain with a national broadliner agreement, the ability to take that even in the international markets. We have a national food supply chain. We're working on global food supply chain next, right? Hmm. We have the ability to grow wherever we want to grow as long as we have the right partners. And I think we're really spending a lot of our time building the right balanced portfolio approach of franchisees where we have, a, a, you know, in, in the hopper and there will be some major press releases in the next 30 to 60 days, but we have a couple of guys that just signed on that are going to be doing very large deals with us, guys that are signing on for like that five to 15 unit type deal. And then we're going to bring on some mom and pops too, where it makes sense, right? Um, because you need that kind of balance among your franchise system. You know, you can't have three franchisees doing 2000 stores, nor can you right. have 2000 onesie, twosie franchises. Yeah, yeah. You have to have the balanced portfolio. Yeah. Um, and, and that's ultimately what we're looking to build um, all over the United States for sure. But we're willing to entertain anywhere in the world. Um, you know, this upcoming weekend, we're going to be in the Middle East for the Formula One race. Uh, by the time this airs, it will probably have already happened. We were asked to do a pop up at the Formula One race in Jeddah, you know, and, and we're doing that. Um, we're we're right now in discussions in a few different countries um, and we have signed franchise agreements in nine states across all four continental United States time zones. We wanna work with the right operators that aren't just doing this solely because they get to say that they're Shaquille's partner in it, right? Um, we want people who truly love and adore the food and believe in the guest experience and having Shaquille as a partner is just kind of, you know, whipped cream on top. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and we built this, like I said, that master chef, the, the, the two master chefs, Matt Silverman and Matt Pye, 
who built this concept with Shaquille, they really built it in a way where the guest comes in because of Shaquille. He's an amazing trial mechanism, but they keep coming back because of how much care was put on the culinary side of this equation. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we can grow as fast as we want to grow because we were taking care of the infrastructure along the way. I love that. It's actually building a relationship with the customer. You know, um, someone might come in because there's there's an A-list celebrity name on the door. But if the product is lousy, um, they're probably not coming back. So so I, I love that you've you've sort of flipped that script and, and you know, you're so focused on on having a good product. Remember, Shaquille was a franchisee first, right? So yes. he, he impresses upon me every day. Hey, Josh, you screw over a franchisee, you're screwing me over. Yeah. Because I'm a yeah. franchisee first and foremost. <laughs> but then the other thing is coming from the three-tier system in alcohol, right? We're like working for Anheuser-Busch. We had exclusive Anheuser-Busch distributors all over the U.S. You, you quickly realize, though, these, these folks and, and our franchisees are the same way. They're playing a dual role, right? On, yeah. one, on one hand, they are an extension of your team and need to be treated as a member of your team every single day, as your partner every single day. On the other hand, your franchisee is actually your customer when you're the franchisor. Absolutely, yeah. And, yeah. and I think a lot of people sometimes lose sight of that fact, right? Um, now, the best customer relationships are when you have amazing joint business plans where it feels like you're working from one mechanism every day. But, you know, too, more often than not, I think franchisors view the franchisee as just an extension of them. We forget that other side that, that they are our customer. I, I don't sell chicken to a single guest outside of a corporately owned store, right? right? It's my franchisees doing that. They're my customer. Their customer is the guest. In theory, we're working together to bring the best experience to the guest. But it's, it's important for us to all remember they're both, franchisees are both an extension of your team and your primary customer when you're a franchisor. Yep. And if they're not doing well, none of us are going to do well. So uh, very All well said. Predictable unit level economics. like <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Josh, if anybody has more questions for you, or they'd like to learn a little bit more about the brand or uh, your, your franchising, or, or even if they would like to connect with you somehow, where can we send them? I'm a LinkedIn junkie. Follow Big Chicken on LinkedIn, uh, connect to me on LinkedIn, and then to get franchising information, the easiest ways to enter our franchising portal system, uh, which can be found at bigchicken.com. Um, you know, up top, it says franchise information uh, when you go to our homepage. And, um, you know, you get someone very close to the top of the organization who will give you the entire origin story and really walk you through the nuts and bolts of, of Big Chicken. Um, we're not looking to sign franchisees solely in the name of growth. We're looking to sign franchisees who could be tremendous partners for us for the next 10, 20, 30 years and build the true legacy together the right way. Excellent. We'll have links to that space in today's show notes as well. Josh, thank you so much for joining me today. And we look forward to chatting again real soon. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Before we go, a quick word from Consumer Fusion. Consumer Fusion is the only all-in-one reputation management provider that helps remove inappropriate content online. 
80% of consumers say that a negative review has prevented them from choosing a business. Consumer Fusion has removed over 60,000 illegitimate negative reviews across major directory sites like Google, Facebook, Indeed, and Yelp. Check them out today at consumerfusion.com franchise. Consumer Fusion, keeping reviews honest. And thanks for listening to Social Geek. We're here to help you get yourself ready for the comeback of a lifetime. This is the Social Geek Radio Network.